Archiver is made possible by a grant from Humanities Kansas. Near the town of Pegasus, Texas, down the road about half a mile, there once lived the Texas tycoon by the name of Billy Sile. Billy Sile. We start this episode of Archiver with a tune from Jesse Lee Turner on a con man named Billy Saul Estes. You probably don't know much, if anything, about either. Turner had a minor hit in 1959 with a song called Little Space Girl that hit number 20 on the Billboard pop chart. Billy Saul Estes, though, had a major scandal in 1962, the year Turner sung about Billy Saul in what could have been an attempt to cash in on a growing agriculture scandal in Texas that threatened the Kennedy and later the Johnson administration. But Jesse Lee Turner wasn't the only one looking to profit on Billy Saul in 62, a first-term congressman from Kansas who had a nose for controversy and wasn't afraid to mix it up, was also on the case. The podcast is Archiver, The Man from Russell, Episode 3, Here Comes the Hatchet Man, Me. I'm your host, Sam Zeff. Is he right or is he wrong? No one really dares to say. But they're going to find the answer on Billy's side. Billy's side. Billy's Here's how the New York Times led Billy Saul's obit on May 14, 2013. Billy Saul Estes, a fast-talking Texas swindler who made millions, went to prison, and captivated America for years with mind-boggling agriculture scams, payoffs to politicians, and bizarre tales of covered-up killings and White House conspiracies, was found dead Tuesday at his home in Granbury, Texas. He died in his sleep and was found in his recliner. If you're an ambitious politician, who wouldn't want a piece of that? And Bob Dole, who joined the 87th Congress in January 1961, did just that 18 months into his career. He had that ruthlessness and that bluntness that he was not shy. That's Emporia State University political scientist Michael Smith, an expert on Dole's time in Congress. Billy Saul was pinched in part for falsifying cotton allotments. Now, we plant a little cotton in Kansas, but that didn't stop young Congressman Dole from the wheat capital of America from issuing statement after statement. In a June 3, 1962 news release, he called the Estes case the thickest snow job yet from the new frontier. Two weeks later, in another press release, he accused Agriculture Secretary Orville Freeman, a frequent target of Dole during his entire time in the House, of a cover-up. He did have uh, boundaries. If you've ever noticed with Dole, um, it was on the issues. Billy Saul Estes, there was all this corruption stuff. Um, and it was, let's be honest, it was pretty blatant. Yeah, he had him. <laughs> he had him. And he knew he had him. And he went in for the kill. Um, but what's interesting yeah. is that <sighs> any number of people could have done that. But Bob Dole sensed it uh, and attacked it in a way that I find... Uh, that he knew 
He knew politically that this was an advantage. Billy Saul Estes clearly was a uh, was clearly corrupt, and that yeah. guy needed to go to prison. But Bob Dole figured out how to make it work for him when he's relatively junior in the United States House of Representatives. I think he did have a knack for sensing weakness, <clears throat> and he would occasionally miscalculate, but then there were other times when it would land square on. And that's a really good point. If it had not been for that early uh, attack against someone who you could say, well, kind of deserved it, um, that maybe Dole wouldn't have risen to national or state prominence. While Dole was scoring political points with Billy Saul in D.C. back home, not everything he did was sitting well with the locals. the House guns a-blazing, opposing almost everything the new Kennedy administration wanted. In March 1961, he voted against extending unemployment benefits, and Democrats in Kansas immediately labeled him a reactionary. How did Dole react? In a statement from his office on March 15th, he complimented his critics, and in what would become his political calling card, he counterattacked. He said Democrats wanted to socialize agriculture, education, medicine, and, he said, every other field of endeavor. The crux of the matter, the statement continued, was not whether he wanted to help the unemployed, but whether that was up to the federal government, which Dole said he opposed. Dole didn't find much he liked. He even voted against funding the Peace Corps, legislation that passed the House almost three to one. But he's popular enough to win re-election in 1962, a complicated election year, because Kansas lost a congressional seat in the 1960 census and Dole had to beat Democrat J. Floyd Breeding in their now combined districts. But Dole was going back to Washington, where he voted in favor of a constitutional amendment allowing prayer in public schools and voted against federal aid for colleges to expand classrooms. The Salina Journal on August 16, 1963, labeled him the Kansas Againster. And being against is exactly what Dole was aiming for. Members of the Congress, I have the great pleasure, the high privilege, and the great honor of presenting to you the President of the United States. That Speaker of the House, John McCormick, one son of Massachusetts, introducing another, President John F. Kennedy, on January 14, 1963. It would be JFK's last State of the Union before his assassination. He talked a lot about taxes and touched on Cuba, Berlin, and Vietnam, but he also said this. And the most precious and powerful right in the world, the right to vote in a free American election, must not be denied to any citizens on grounds of their race or their color. I wish that all qualified. I wish that all qualified Americans permitted to vote were willing to vote. But surely in this centennial year of the emancipation, all those who are willing to vote should always be permitted. It was the beginning of a major push for civil rights that would accelerate when Lyndon Johnson became president and Bob Dole 
would be conflicted. Joining me now is archiver historian Virgil Dean. And Virgil, I think if there is a major controversy in the history of his time in the House, it's on uh, various pieces of civil rights legislation. And I'd like to hear you talk about uh, his progression through that uh, and the struggles uh, that he had uh, with some of those, uh, some of those, uh, what now uh, are landmark bills. Mm-hmm. In 63, uh, Kennedy, of course, introduces the Civil Rights Act, the, the major, major civil rights acts that's ultimately passed as the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And uh, uh, Dole is very supportive of that measure. And even with some opposition from constituents in western Kansas, it's something that he's uh, easily able to latch on to. And, of course, that act includes things that have to do with voting and all kinds of things. But uh, it's uh, the next year in 65 that he begins to have a little bit more difficulty, partly because, I think, because there's a lot of people in western Kansas that think, Voting laws are a state, and administration of voting is a state thing. And so you don't want the federal government interfering. And so there's quite a bit of opposition to that. Uh, and Dole, I think, is very clear in his stance that if you, you've got to allow people to vote, he very clearly makes a statement to the effect that one of the fundamental rights of it in any democracy is to make, pe- make it possible for people to vote. But he has some problems with fair housing. Talk to me about that. Once the Voting Rights Act of 65 uh, goes on to the books uh, and uh, people start uh, debating the next move, which a lot of people identify as housing and public accommodations and things like that that need to be dealt with, addressed in in the minds of many because of some of the serious issues that were pretty obvious to most people that you know, African-Americans in particular, were restricted on where they could live. The legislation is introduced in 66 and has a lot of support for throughout the country, but it's very, there's, the uh, opposition is intense because uh, Dole and many people who end up voting against that uh, use the argument that my private property rights should allow me to sell or to rent to whoever I want. And certainly, I, from my impression of looking at House materials, Dole's House correspondence is the overwhelming majority of people in the west, in the western part of the state, at least, if not all of Kansas, supported that position. They could not go so far. They might support voting rights. They might support the other aspects of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, but they're not going to go there yet. So what are we to make of Dole's reluctance in 1966 to support fair housing? Introduce yourself and tell me your connection to Bob Dole. I'm David Haley, and um, I'm a Kansas State Senator now, Democrat. Um, And you ask, what is my relationship to Bob Dole? (laughs) Where do I start? Haley is one of the few African-Americans in the Kansas legislature. His father, George, was one of the first two blacks elected to the state Senate. The family, David Haley says, was always close to Dole, and he's willing to give him a bit of a pass 58 years later. And I think that um, Congressman and later Senator Dole 
um, was probably a reflection of what many Kansans felt from within the district mm. who weren't quite ready to matriculate. I mean, this is the early 60s now, you know. I mean, uh, you know, the, the needle moves often slowly in terms of how we've evolved as a society, and I think it just comes through time that issues that will come to bear and make us a stronger, uh, better country, um, this tapestry that America is, but to make sure that that high tide of being uh, the best country in the world, that high tide will lift all boats, regardless of color or religion or other divisors that people have been found of. And I think he came, he, Bob Dole, came to realize that uh, he, again, as I've said before, was one of the leaders for economic and political opportunities for all people. Though I have to say, it wasn't color that blinded him most, um, as it was sometimes partisanship. I mean, it was primarily Africansans who were Republican that had <laughs> benefited, but that's, uh, that's almost, I think, more acceptable, you know, to have that sort of support for one's party than, than for any other, uh, any other division. There was no bigger Republican partisan than Bob Dole, and that was about to catapult him onto a national stage. He's everything a congressman should be. He's congressman. Bob Dole is his name. He's a dedicated man who serves both you and me. Dole sets his sights on much bigger things. That's on our next episode of Archiver, The Man from Russell. Archiver is produced by Virgil Dean and Scott Richardson in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City. Archiver is made possible with a grant from Humanities Kansas and is a production of Do Good Productions, where Gene Johnson is executive producer. Thanks to the staff at the Dole Institute at the University of Kansas. I'm Sam Zeff, and I'll see you on the next Archiver. Let's re-elect Bob Dole. Keep Bob on the job.